does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Four and a half laps to go. He's not done yet. Pato Award could win at St. Peter's. Okay, Is something wrong with him? He had Erickson a, to the lead. He had a huge slide coming off the corner. He must have had a misshift. Maybe there was an overboost. That's an engine situation that temporarily limits power. And the lead now has gone to Marcus oh, Erickson. Did you see him smash him, smash the steering wheel inside the cockpit? Award furious. Captain-like performance. Well, he drove like we have never seen him drive to win the Indianapolis 500 last May. And now Marcus Erickson in the Husky Chocolate Honda is a winner again, but this time on the streets of St. Petersburg. Delivers Chip Ganassi the first victory of a new season. The 28-year-old Kiwi has sustained the pressure. Scott McLaughlin, he's got 56 supercar wins. You got here to the he is now an IndyCar go, race winner. From pole to victory lane, Scott McLaughlin does it. Incredible performance under the most pressure. Nice little moment of sportsmanship there between the two guys, giving away. But we saw how excited Scott was after qualifying on pole. Just imagine what this interview is going to be oh, like boy, after his first so win. Woo! Oh my God! You told me a few weeks ago there were times in my rookie season where I questioned this move. Why did I leave Australia? Why did I come? But I knew I wanted to get race against the best in the world. Is it all paid off right now? Oh, this is. Oh, thank you to Roger Penske, yeah, Dex Imogen jumping on board, trusting me, and then Roger Penske and Tim Sinjic giving me the opportunity to come here. I miss my mum and dad dearly and my family, but I um, wish you guys are here. What a day, I'm out of breath, man. Hey, give me a sec. <laughs> like father, like son, he certainly drives a lot like his dad, Brian. Silky smooth, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, so push to pass now he's going to try to lay down some fast laps now bringing it home on the last lap ensure that he's going to maybe go for fast lap of the race one lap to go less than 1.8 miles on what has been a spectacular day for colton herder what a day what a day he told us a week ago, just get me to St. Pete. I want to get out of here now after that opening lap crash at Barber. Well, he has come back. He has responded emphatically. Colton Herter will win his very first street course race. Colton Herter at the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete. Check and flag. He won, baby. Good job. We are now under a month away from the start of the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season. Hello, welcome. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis and sometimes in other locations. You heard some highlights of previous uh, St. Petersburg IndyCar races, the Grand Prix of St. Pete, and that is coming up March 8th through 10th. So we're inside a month before we get the season off and rolling, and it really now does feel like it's race season the super bowl is over the daytona 500 is this weekend let's go thanks for joining us kevin lee 
Elijah Roberson is in our Indianapolis studios. Kurt Cavan is also in the Indianapolis area. Um, I, I got a new toy this week, Kurt. Uh, after holding my phone on my drive to Pittsburgh or Jackson's drive to Pittsburgh last week, I wasn't sure how that sounded. So I thought it's time to invest in the program because, as you know, I try to avoid Indiana in the wintertime, even though it was 64 on Friday. It was beautiful. Uh, but I'm I'm in Miami for the Miami International Boat Show, where I'm pretending to be a television producer again for the week for the Fox Sports production. So you may hear an airplane go overhead now and again, but I'm hoping the investment in the portable microphone sounds a little better. I hope it will as well, but it'll sound it does sound good. I was on the other coast uh, this past week, or at least since our last show, uh, saw Disneyland for the first time in my life. Saw Disney World before, but had never seen Disneyland. I've never uh, been to the Anaheim. No, I haven't either. So that was good. And uh, so, yeah, it's kind of nice to be back, although I think it is possible that uh, last Friday, the 64 that you speak of was uh, actually warmer than Southern California. It was about 62 or three most days. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 doable. It does get a little crisp in the morning. But uh, anyway, it was good to see my son and and spend a little time. We took our daughter and and her husband, and so the whole family be together for five days, which was really good. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's starting to really feel like it's race season now. The Daytona 500, as you mentioned, St. Pete on March 10th. So literally, we're inside of a 30 day period. Uh, I know the countdown for the Indianapolis 500 synchronized pretty well with the arrival of the NBA All-Star Game in Indianapolis this week. Uh, they kind of meshed up really well those days. Uh, so you've got uh, we got a lot of things still to come, uh, and and it's coming quicker than, you know, maybe not that we wanted because we wanted it to come quick, but it, it does feel like now it's coming quickly. By the way, the other ambient noise you might hear, uh, I am literally sitting at the bar on the rooftop of our hotel. This is a good gig. Uh, I'm up here because the bar is closed and the restaurant is closed uh, until the weekend. But the the bar is partially open because we're actually shooting a little piece for as kind of a trade with the hotel where we're staying to make it onto the TV show. So if you hear some some cocktails being mixed, there are really no customers here, although I have volunteered for them not to go to waste when they're done for for television purposes only. So that's the extra uh, sound we have here in the background. All right, we got news to get to. Um, we still have two seats unfilled as we speak, unless something has been announced from Dale Coyne Racing tonight for this season. We'll get to that coming up in a little bit. But now, unfortunately, we might have a TBD for one of the confirmed seats for the opening weekend. So David Malukas... Uh, he has his new ride in year three in the NTT IndyCar series. He has his new ride with Arrow McLaren, and he has broken his hand. And so he did that mountain biking, as I understand it, and or at least I think that was the that was the stated reason. I'm sure it was the reason. Uh, Somebody else said the same thing to me. To me, do you think that's true, or did he do something else? Uh, no, and David, it's probably just true. I, yeah, I, David. I don't, I, I don't think he's out doing really wild things. Well, even if he was doing something that was other than mountain bike riding, you know, he's a, he's a pretty, um, 
you know, he's a young guy. He's not really, he's not crafted all his messaging the way maybe a seasoned veteran might, but I, I believe David when he, when it's reported that, but it does put into some question, uh, his availability for, uh, you know, if this was an oval, maybe I might feel differently, but this is a difficult street race in St. Petersburg on March the 10th. And really you kind of need to be ready by March the 8th. And you've got some, some testing I'm sure that that they still have to do uh, between now and then. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I thought Nathan Brown of the Indianapolis started a nice job of at looking at some other drivers who have broken their hand. Now, you know, not every break and not every surgery, by the way, surgery was to be today, according mm-hmm. to the release. Uh, so not every surgery, not every recovery period is the same. But it does seem to to create a situation where he might be available uh, for the street race. Um, but it's you know if he if he misses a street race, you'd have to call into question the thermal event. I think that's March twenty third. You got a couple here pretty quickly that he would you know his hand would need to be recovered for because they're not ovals. So we'll see. And we can begin the speculation about who might be available to stand in for him if needed. Well, let's speak to Malukas though. And I feel so much for him. And you think about the circumstances here. He has his dream job. He's driving for one of the premier teams. And even if he does drive at St. Pete, this is less than ideal. Sure. Um, We are a week away from a test. I, I believe there's a hybrid test next week. Now, I don't know if he was scheduled for that because not every driver is in that, but that's an opportunity. And I would think the team probably wanted to use him because that's one of the advantages of this extra testing. Uh, Alexander Rossi knows how to drive their car. Now, Alexander Rossi and Pato Award would like to have as much testing as possible too, but I think Pato just did one in, in the hybrid recently. So it was either going to actually, and I, I know Rossi did as well. So it was probably Malukas's turn, and he needs the time in any McLaren car more than the other. So if he misses any of that time, all of a sudden he's now on the back foot. And as we've seen in the past, the McLaren car is different than other cars. Took Felix Rosenquist two years to get it down. Um, it's I think they're probably a little more standard now as they were developing the car, but this would make it tough. And if he misses both tests and he comes into the season without much time in their car at all, he's behind. And then go to the next extreme if he misses the opening round of the weekend. And then looking long-term, and it's already been mentioned by others, and we've seen the history of this. When you are hired, they have the right to fire you, is essentially how it works. And McLaren has had a short uh, leash on hired drivers. Oliver Askew... They moved on from James Hedgecliffe almost immediately after McLaren sort of took over. Uh, Felix Rosenquist was to be released, released a couple of different times and stayed because of circumstances. So, again, less than ideal is the phrasing for that because other free agents are going to be available. And I would hope that there is um, some understanding that Lucas is still a young driver, and I, I don't think they're going to expect him to finish fifth or sixth in the championship, but you need to show, especially when you consider the other options that are going to be out there. So that's the first thought is I, I really hope it's not long-term for Malukas, but man, 
you, you're talking three and a half weeks on a difficult street race before you need to be ready. It, yeah. And, and the sport is, you know, you forget sometimes we think about it being 17 races and all, all the course of, of laps that'll be run over the course of what, six months, but you know, it comes fast and furious and momentum yeah. is such an important thing. And if you get behind, you you miss the first race. Now, technically, I guess there are 18 events because thermal is not a points paying race, but if you get behind in the first, miss the first race, and now you're maybe if try to do too much the next time out, cause you're trying to make up for lost ground and time. I mean, it just, you know, Calamila is the most recent one that we saw break his hand, maybe not the most recent, but uh, uh, one of the most recent ones, you know, he missed, he missed Detroit after Indianapolis in that accident. You know, it just, it just kind of gets to be a problem if you've missing, missing events. And as you said, they've, I don't know if I'd think about it like a short leash as much as I would think about, they have high expectations and maybe they don't expect him to finish in the top five in the points, but they need him to show well, they need him to make progress and having a setback early is not, not in line with, with momentum and making progress because he's, he just can't do anything for a period of time. We'll just have to see how long recovery is. I think we'll have a better sense for that perhaps in about a week. Now that they've had surgery, um, start to get a feel for it, or they will. And uh, I bet they have an idea tonight. Well, they might. I, I bet. I bet they have an idea after the surgery what they had to do, and then there is probably a private timeline that has been shared with Zach Brown and Gavin Ward about. All right, this is what you're going to need to do, and then now here are the options. Minimum, you have to believe there is a strong chance that someone's in the car next week. That seems unlikely that someone is testing uh, on a road course a week from today. So options there. And then I think it depends on what they think the chances are of him racing at St. Pete. If they feel the chances are good for him to race at St. Pete, let's start with that scenario. Uh, I think I would consider putting Zach Veach or Tony Kanaan in the car. It's probably Zach Veach. Zach Veach has been a reserve driver, and that came up uh, last year uh, when I, I stumbled upon this, that Pato Award had food poisoning. And Zach Veach, that's when we learned he'd actually been working with the team in their simulator for a while, and he was doing some spotting work for the team. And they were never really concerned about Pato, but worst case scenario, if it got worse, Zach was there and he would have done a practice session. So I think that's where you start. He's obviously familiar with the operation. He's been in their car. I also think if they value his input and want that role to be meaningful, that would be hugely beneficial to this, to actually have him get in a real car again for the first time in three years because he's not driven this car. So he will then be able to go back to the simulator and say, okay, this feels exactly the way it is. I think that will help. So that seems the most likely scenario if it's short term. If it's not, then what do you do? If if you think if you think somebody might likely have to race at St. Pete's, let's talk about options there. I don't know. I don't know how you I guess you probably bring somebody in that you've considered. I mean, the name that, that comes to my mind is Callum Ilot. That's number uh, some, one some, in my mind too. Yeah. <laughs> somebody that you've considered, you think very highly of and, and Oh, by the way, we'd sure like to get a free test. And I, and I call it a free test. 
a test that you have, you know, you're not having to uh, plan an extra session for. This is, you know, you know you're going to run that car at St. Pete, so that's a scheduled event. And to, to have, uh, you know, a race weekend to play with. Now, I haven't checked Callum's uh, work schedule to know whether St. Pete was one of those races he was available. I think it is, though. So I think he is, but I don't know that he can do the testing from the World Endurance Championship schedule. And I think ideally you'd like to have someone that can do the testing and the racing. So he may now I think Callum Eilat might be one that they would be okay missing the testing since he drove in IndyCar last year. Well, that would be, you know, that's and obviously goes without saying, but that would be a McLaren decision from the standpoint that obviously IndyCar would let him drive because he, he is a full-time driver yeah, in the 2023. Team, there's the no, feeling like he didn't have to have the test. He'd be fine. Correct. But I, I think, you know, there's, there's so much to getting adapted, you know, the seat fitting and all the things that go into that. Just, yep. it sure would just be nice if he could run the car one day in advance of, of uh, St. Pete, if he was going to do that. Uh, I, you know, I actually, I did like the Tony Kanan idea. I, I do think he could step in and be serviceable on the street yep. circuit at St. Pete. Uh, he, he could run the test. He would be available. I don't think that's the, uh, you know, that has a lot of merit as well. I didn't, that wasn't the first name that came to mind. Zach Veach was first, Callum Eilat was second. And then as I read one of the stories online this morning, I thought about, thought about Tony and his availability and, you know, whether or not he was, you know, race fit, if you will, car fit. And, um, but we know he is fit. Um, so anyway, I think that's, that's your group of three. If you go outside of the, the family, well, I've got another name. I, I think Connor Daly would be a consideration as well. He's driven for the team. Now that was a previous iteration. I don't know that McLaren was really involved, but well, let's face it. Connor's driven for every team other than Penske and Ganassi, right? Correct. There, I think is that's there any correct. Other team? I think he's been with all of them. Um, but he'd be fine. He'd be good in that situation. He is going to be driving a Chevy in May, so that correlates as well. So I'm, I'm going to circle back to Callum Eilat in a moment. But if you want to think about the commercial aspects, which McLaren does and should, that's why Kanan is number one from that benefit. And, and let's face it, we've all ribbed Kanan that he wasn't really retiring, and we'd all love that storyline. That see, we told you weren't retiring again, Kanan. This is your fourth comeback. Not really, but yes. Um, and if you want attention on your car, Tony Kanan gets you the most attention on that car, including David Malukas, for that weekend, because that would be a story uh in that sense. And and you're right, he could do it. You know, he He's not, quote, race fit, but a little bit of time, and he's a lot doing time on the sim. Here's a question I have, and this would apply to Zach Veach as well. My guess is they can turn that sim up to make the steering, and they do, that it's hard. So you are, if you're spending a lot of time in a proper IndyCar simulator, not iRacing, but even iRacing, the steering can be hard, um, you are at least part of the way there to being able to deal with it, because that's that would be a challenge. If you've not been driving for a while, but, but Kanan could certainly do it commercially. Connor would also get you a lot of attention. If maybe Kanan says, you know what? I said I was retired and I'm retired and we gave me a new job and it is a real job as the sporting director. And I need to be available to do those things. 
I think it could probably be argued a lot of his job mentoring was with David Malukas. And if David Malukas isn't available to drive that weekend, Kanan could just drive the car. So that, that's part one of that. But I think Connor would also fit the commercial aspect and he'd be potentially very good in the race. We saw him look pretty good in the Ray Hall car last year once he was filling in there. Now back to Callum Eilat. Uh Hunkos and McLaren have a partnership, right? <laughs> yeah, they do. Well, good. What, why isn't Callum Eilat in the car that is associated with McLaren? Uh, you know, we talked about this last summer, and that's why we all thought that was going to be a slam dunk, and it was going to be a tryout for Callum Eilat to see if McLaren wanted him in the future. So maybe McLaren had already decided we're not sure that he's the right fit for us long term. Or maybe that idea is rubbish and it was just simply the um, untenable situation between Ricardo Junkos, the team, Argentina and Callum Eilat. You know, maybe uh, McLaren just said, you know what, uh, we like Callum Eilat, but I get it. That's still your team and it's best for all that they separate. But that's what I want to know if they. If they have an eye and they think highly of Callum Eilat, then they're going to do everything they can to put him in that car that weekend, even if he does not get the test the rest of this month. And I don't know. It's going to be tough. You know, there, there are charter flights and things like that McLaren can do to maybe get him across uh, continents. But I think that's probably their first idea. And I know um, uh, Nathan Brown mentioned Jack Harvey would be a possibility as well if he's not racing for Dale Coyne. So Jack would be someone that's relatively current, and and I think you could consider. I think your point, going back a few minutes, about the team knowing probably as we speak uh, what the option timeline looks like is probably real. I guess I was thinking that we might not know for a few days to even Correct. a week what yeah, this we won't really know. looks like really looks like but I, I i suspect the doctors can can give a pretty good diagnosis and the people working i didn't see i don't think it said who was doing the surgery but my suspicion is this is somebody uh somebody will be involved who has done indycar hands and somebody knows. we probably know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i think i think they're going to have a real good idea of the timeline maybe not in terms of total healing but 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 how well these race car drivers have come back from similar type injuries. Yep. Maybe not, so, maybe not us humans, but uh, you know, those otherworldly athletes, they have a pretty good idea. Well, and, and that's why they do the surgeries because that accelerates the healing, you know, sure. otherwise it probably is six weeks before he's full and ready to go. But with pins and so forth, you know, you mentioned some of the examples that people have come back within a couple of weeks in these situations. And I'm sure it hurts but they decide you're not going to do any more damage to it. Uh, so it's just a little bit of pain tolerance. We'll put a brace on there and can go. Bumpy street track is not the best circumstance. Yeah, I was just That's thinking that. one of the worst scenarios. It, it, it is a tight, uh, bumpy street circuit. And the other thing is, as we've seen, let me think about my turns, is that turn seven or eight where, where, where the right-hander were – Several guys have gone off very quickly and hit the, before you start heading toward turn 10. I think that's eight. And then I there's a kink eight. that's, that's considered right. turn nine before you get to the left-hander in turn 10. So turn eight, if you hit turn eight with a hand that's already compromised, that's yeah. going to hurt. By the way, do we know is this left hand or right hand? Not that it particularly matters, but I don't think we know that, do we? 
Um, I'll have to look. I've looked at a couple of stories. Yeah, Nathan's story does not say which hand it was. It doesn't really matter there, but my point is, uh, probably not. You hit the concrete or the or the or the barrier at turn eight. Uh, at turn four, you got a little more idea it's coming. <laughs> you can get your hands back. Turn eight, there's not much time there to move. So, yep. all right, uh, well, hoping for the best for David Malukas because I want to see him get a chance to show what he can do. I think he can do well there. He's a, a really bright, in many ways, young man. And, you know, I think he has the capabilities of being a star in this sport, personality-wise and and talent-wise. What is he? He's still, is he 22? Yeah. I don't even know if he, has he turned 22 yet? Look yeah, I think he point. has. And remember. He just turned 22 in the fall. Yeah. And he moved to Indianapolis. He's, he's, he's all in. Not that we would think otherwise and not that you have to move to Indianapolis, but my point is he's all in. He's yep. ready to, ready to make this happen. And, and, um. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I very much would like to see him have a full full go at this because, again, not so much a short leash, but but I do think that McLaren's going to be quick to make a decision on whether or not uh, the drivers they have are right for them. And by the way, um, he may have a multi-year contract. You know, I'm not trying to say that it's make or break year. They don't announce those kind of things. Just kind of speaking, well, in general, have we not seen, again, what I've been saying for many years, that contracts are just kind of suggestions. Yeah. So that's just the way of the world, and everyone understands that. So that leaves us somewhat with three uncertain seats for St. Pete. We still have the two Dale Coyne racing seats remaining uh, they had Jack Harvey and they had Nolan Siegel in a car at Sebring recently. Nolan Siegel did quite well, like the 10, nine or 10 that were there. I think he was sixth in his very first day in an Indy car. The plan is still that he's an Indy next for this season. Um, but who knows, especially if you start thinking about divvying it up, if it's not just two drivers. So, you know, who knows what happens on that case, but I don't suspect I don't think there's any way he is a full-time consideration and maybe not even a part-time consideration. So maybe that comes into play later if he can't find two full-time drivers, because I believe Nolan and the people advising him have decided, you know what, it's best to go after the championship this year and go in fully prepared to, to IndyCar. I talked to him last week uh, at the Indy next content days in Indianapolis and I've heard other people say the same thing. And, you know, and one thing that was really refreshing, remember, no one's not a big guy either. Uh, but he said, I had no physical concerns from this test. And we've heard others say the first time in an Indy car, oh, my, that's a beast. I'm going to have to get in the gym even more. And all of these drivers are fit, but it is a different type of fitness. So that's pretty impressive for Nolan, who was not planning on testing the Indy car. He said... He saw Dale Coyne that weekend. It was at Daytona, the Roar weekend, the week before the Rolex, and they chatted a little bit. You know, and I'm sure Dale's mission and Nolan's is as well. You know, let's let's talk. Maybe it's about 2025. And then as Dale is looking, is I got no confirmed drivers for this year. What do you think? Who knows how that exactly went? And then it became, and Nolan said he got a call on Tuesday. 
and said, hey, we're here testing and we're going to go ahead and stay an extra day. Do you want to come down and do the test? So he had he actually did not stay in Daytona. I think that was kind of the thought that he was just in Daytona and drove over. It's a pretty long drive from uh, Daytona to Homestead. He actually had come home to Indianapolis or to Indianapolis, I should say, to the team shop to get his seat fit. And that actually worked out better than him being in Florida, because if he was in Florida, he would not have had a seat. And that was something that changed a few years ago. The Indy Lights or Indy Next seat also is it's from a Delara car fits in an Indy car. And that's an advantage to the young drivers when they go do a test they can take their seat with them instead of have to spending the extra two or three grand or whatever it is for a proper IndyCar seat. So he said, luckily my seat was being made. I finished it. I went to the airport and I said, well, how did you get your seat there? And he said, I took it to the counter and said, I'd like to check this please. And luckily in Indianapolis, he felt like they had seen that before because they're asking, what is that? Because he put it in a trash bag. What are you doing here? And he said, well, it's a race car seat. And then they, oh, yeah, okay. I guess we've seen that before. Somebody had. So that's how he did it. He checked a racing seat in his baggage on his flight to Miami, drove the car next day, went great, physically fine, did not get tired or diminished at all. You know, he'll be able to focus his training a little bit more specifically, but felt like he was ready. So story I had from last week that I'll share on a Peacock broadcast later, but I thought we'd make use of it here. Well, that's good. There are a couple people that work at the counters at the airport who work in the paddock on a part-time basis uh, in IndyCar. So it's very likely that they have all talked or or at least have seen that before. So that's not yeah, a big surprise, but it is a bit awkward, I'm sure, when you, you're handed a trash bag with this, <laughs> this very odd-shaped... Uh, I'm sure they have stories about things people have checked before. It goes beyond just a guitar or something else that that, that would be a, a fun segment of things airline agents have been asked to check before and then what have they declined that's even better because i'm sure there's <laughs> stuff that no sir you cannot you cannot check this uh jack harvey still makes a lot of sense what we don't know is if he's been able to find partners to help make up the budget how that's going to get done somebody's going to need to pay for it dale coin is hoping it's not dale coin but dale coin has invested in Dale Coyne racing before and generally tends to give some help to people he feels uh, confident about. You know, I still wonder if Callum Eilat could play a factor in something there at some point. And Devlin Francesco, we've not heard about him. I don't think that's super likely, but you never know. We have not heard from Benjamin Peterson since True. the... Divorce from AJ Foyt racing. You know, the last we heard from Benjamin Peterson was welcome to the team stingray. Uh, and then when it was announced that no, no, he's not going to be involved. Santino's in the other car. So we don't know uh, if they are planning on racing this year and if they still have budget involved in that. So those are kind of the names there, you know, maybe, Peretta Autosport worked something for Simona Di Silvestro, and I would come back to that. that that's, that's kind of one of the names. If the Foyt third car, and I would say that's a big if at this point. If the Foyt third car for the 500 comes about, 
I'm thinking I'm going to say it's less than 50-50 at this point. I, I think more people felt like it was, you know, happening, but I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. And that's not just because of what I saw Larry Foyt say publicly. It's from some of the other things I've heard along the lines and what Larry said in the past. He's been talked into running a third car before. So that leads me to believe he doesn't really want to do it unless somebody's going to pay really well for it to happen. Would we put in the long shot category uh, Tatiana Calderon? Uh, I did hear that one place uh, probably about a month ago. Um, and I Was that before or after she signed up for five races in IMSA? That That's might... probably where her budget went. Makes sense. Makes sense. No, I'm, I can't rule that out because there may be someone else that believes in Tatiana and wants to see her in IndyCar, especially if it's on a part-time basis. But, you know, generally drivers that have been trying to accrue budget to do something full-time, when you see them sign up for sports cars or something else in a seat that probably requires some budget, that's probably what they did. They said, all right, we, we're going to take the budget that we have and we're going to put it in sports cars. It makes sense. I, makes I sense. hope she got that seat for free and was hired. But generally speaking, she was probably asked to bring something to that. Fair, fair enough. Um, yeah, coin. So we need to know that first. And then you can kind of get into the Indy 500 after that for the fourth, third car. So here are the scenarios and what's still open for the Indy 500. As we talked about last week, we have 33. We don't have names for the two coin drivers, but we have 33 when you include Dreyer and Reinbold and their two cars with Cusick Motorsports. Really, I think it's 34, but we have not seen an official announcement from Abel yet, so I'm not going to count that until they officially announce their intentions. So that's 34. And then the extras could come from a fourth from Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. I would think that's Takuma Sato. If it's not, it's Catherine Legg, and I don't think it's a lock that they run a car. If they don't, maybe that opens up a scenario for Dale Coyne, uh, which maybe he would use to incentivize someone to do a partial deal. You know, that could be the way that he gets three drivers in the two seats is that if he could say all three of you get to drive in, in the Indy 500, easier to find budget in that scenario. Uh, for extra cars, you know, I guess we would still consider – um, you know, I guess in the coin situation, Catherine Legg could end up there if coin fielded a car with the Honda connection. Steph Wilson, possibility there, possibility at AJ Foyt Racing. Uh, I believe Steph, I still have not spoken to him in a while, but he has some budget. He probably needs to find some more, but I can't rule that out. And I think he's probably still trying to put something together. Could Nolan Siegel factor into an Indy 500 situation? Back to Abel, if Foyt doesn't run one, could they run their second car for Jacob Abel or somebody else? And then, and then, and then if Devlin DeFrancesco doesn't go to coin, I'd put him on the list for someone for an extra car. He's doing some sports car racing, but I would guess there's some budget available for the Indy 500. And then Callum Eilat, you know, could be a consideration for the Indy 500. And then we could name others and we won't, bother with that but i would just say this look at your entry list from the last 10 years and really anyone is a possibility right 
How long did Jay Howard go between Indy 500s? How long did Catherine Legg go between Indy 500s? Steph Wilson went a few years between Indy 500s. Uh, Michelle Jordan Jr. probably went a decade or so between. So you, you, there are examples. Racing drivers don't necessarily retire. And if you're still in your late 30s or whatever, I know this, Oral Servia, at least as of last year, was still interested in driving. And Oriel Servia could still drive if the partnership came together. I don't know if he's actively seeking it this year, but that's my point. There could always, I've still not named a, there's a name I know out there that has some budget. And I'm not going to name it because I don't know if they want a public or not. Actually, I know there are two names. One people would probably guess, the other they might not. But there are wild cards out there that could come into play that I know have been in contact with teams. Well, J.R. Hildebrand would be another one that fit in that category. Yeah, yeah, and that's not one of the ones I wasn't mentioning. But, yeah, I should mention J.R. because, yeah, certainly he would be high on that list. And if Foyt runs a third car, well, that's what we all assumed, right, in December, that it would be J.R. But, obviously, he doesn't have the number that they want. Yeah. That, that I was hoping they would just mostly hire J.R., but that must not be the, the case because I would think J.R. would, you know, tick the boxes that they want as far as caliber of a driver. Very talented, very talented. But yeah, the, the, we haven't heard anything, but that doesn't, I wouldn't rule him out at Foyt just yet. Uh, but it's getting late early, getting late early. You That's gotta, you gotta be able to hire people. You know, I know you can put these deals together, but if, you know, if I'm someone, if I'm going to be responsible for putting that budget together for a driver, I want some answers. I want to know who the engineer is and who the crew people are. And if you're going to charge me over a million dollars to up to a million five for that seat, no, no, you, you need people right now. You're not just hiring people with no experience to go out. Now, everybody's circumstance is different. You know, maybe you just want to be in the race and that's good. But, you know, if you're J.R. Hildebrand, maybe it's J.R. saying, I've been in the race. I got plenty of other things I can do. I don't have to be a race car driver. If I do this race, yes, I want to have a chance to win. We all know that's kind of a long shot, but I, I at least want to show well. I want to have, I want to be able to run in the top 10 and not just be out there and fill the field or worse, not make the field. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we're going to get into some tweets in just a moment. We need to talk Kyle Larson. Uh, a little bit more in his test since we last spoke last Thursday and plenty more. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, I talked to some of the Indy next drivers last week, almost all of them. We're going to talk with Jamie Chadwick tonight uh, on the program back from the UK. So we'll talk to one of the returning Indy next drivers later on in the show. Trackside 93.5107.5 the fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 Plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hi, this is David Malukas, and you're listening to Trackside. Thank you for staying with us as we continue back to Tuesdays. Kurt, do we know when the show is next week? Is it Tuesday again? Have I'm we... sure it is Tuesday because it's it's going to be a few weeks before we see a Monday again. Okay, okay that's good. That's, that's a note for us because I've been wrong on these things. That's why I was in the car last week. I scheduled my trip around being home in time for Tuesday and forgot the show was on Monday. So check your local listings. Sometimes the hosts don't always know when the show is, but it's right now. And we're glad you're listening, whether live on 93.5 or 107.5 The Fan or uh, via podcast at all the usual outlets. Last week during the show, Kyle Larson was on track at Phoenix. First time in a little while and IndyCar has been there. So that's always cool. That's always that remains one of the desired destinations market-wise, track-wise, everything else for a lot of us. So I'm always happy when an Indy car is there so the people can kind of look at it and remember, all right, this is what you need to do to have an Indy car there. And they've run on this configuration. They, they ran at least once, if not twice, since they moved the start-finish line. But we have not been back since they finished the remodeling. I, I was sad about that, right? They yeah put up grandstands and they finished and it's, you know, kind of an entire new facility. So I still have a dream that we'll see IndyCar coming back there at some point, but for the short term, Kyle Larson is there. We touched on this totally different than the Indianapolis 500, but I feel like those 172 laps he did were very, very beneficial for Kyle Larson. Absolutely. And he did some longer runs more important to the, or one of the most important things that I took from it is he had a chance to feel the edge. He felt a situation late in the run on his last run where the car nearly got away from him. And I think that's an important feel for a driver, certainly of, of his caliber who has, you know, experienced that on other platforms, print cars, stock cars, take your pick on, on whether the kind of machine he was driving. But I think you need to know where the edge is. We've talked about this many times, and it's not the same. 
But I always think the first time it snows, I try to get my car sideways just so I have a sense. And it's different. I get it. And somebody's probably laughing as I say that. But just to know what the conditions, you know, what the conditions do to the car you're driving. And and for him to have experienced a kind of hold my breath moment or almost lost my breath moment is a good thing for him. And he, he accepted that as well. And the other thing that he got to do a lot was hot pit stops or or semi-hot pit stops, at least coming down pit road with some form of 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 anger or heat uh to to do a pit stop and and to understand, you know, what the turn in is like. It's much different than a stock car. The the angle you can come in at, the the steering wheel travel. There's just so many different things, the braking obviously. So that was good for him to do both of those things. Um and he's got some personnel that I think are really going to help him. So I think we already knew about Mike Pulowski. I believe I saw that last fall. He's been with Foyt in recent years and goes way back working with different teams. Very well-respected engineer. But I love, for Kyle Larson's standpoint, hearing about Brian Campy. Yep. So Brian came over a few years ago from the Penske NASCAR organization to their IndyCar program. And I know it was hugely beneficial for Juan Pablo Montoya because Brian said, you know, yes, Montoya came from IndyCar, but he had been in stock cars, in NASCAR for a while. So they were able to help each other and spoke kind of the same language in that regard. So Brian, I think he then went over to Joseph Newgarden. He did. He worked with Newgarden for a while and was, uh, I think, the lead engineer on Newgarden's first IndyCar championship program, one of 500 with Montoya, and then he went back to NASCAR. And apparently now he's working with Hendrick Motorsports, which I did not know. I did not know either. So perfect scenario, because remember, this is not just Errol McLaren. This is a partnership with Hendrick Motorsports, uh, with Jeff Gordon's influence having a lot to do with this. So, you know, let's don't forget about this coming up in May. Not only do we get Kyle Larson and the eyeballs that he brings, we're kind of getting Jeff Gordon as a part of this too. And I'm going to guess he's on that charter flight. You know, he's going to be at the Indy 500 and he's going to travel with Kyle back to Charlotte that night. So Brian Campy is going to be there working with Mike Pulowski on the engineering stand. And he is going to help translate uh, into NASCAR ease for, for them. And it understands both. And he was a brilliant IndyCar engineer and he's a brilliant NASCAR engineer. And people that don't think there's a lot of engineering in NASCAR no, it, it may say stock cars, but there is more engineering in NASCAR than in IndyCar. Many, many more engineers on these large budgeted programs. Yeah, yeah. I think Brian is going to be so good for him. Uh, you know, Kyle made the point that they may end up speaking more his language than him trying to learn their language. So that'll be an interesting. So don't assume that just because, uh, you know, Kyle comes into this, that Kyle is going to learn to speak IndyCar. And that may be true largely, but it's it it certainly stands to reason that it might just be easier for the team to start speaking his language as yep. best as best yep. they can. So yep, let him say what he thinks the car is doing, and Brian will figure it out. Mike pull out Mike Plowski's smart enough to understand what he's saying too. But I just think that's going to help that process because you've added another really smart person there. All right, we'll tell you what's coming up in hour number two in just a moment. Trackside 93.5-1075, the fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. 
Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hi, this is Colton Herda, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Okay, let's sneak in just a couple of tweets in this segment. Ken Anderson says, considering the glut of available drivers for 24, does 25 look even worse? There are a few next drivers, IndyCar drivers this year without seats, and I believe 14 F1 seats are not under contract for 2025. That's not including potential from other series. Valid conjecture? Yeah, I think so. I th- I think I'm not going to get into it at this point, but when we get to June and July, I don't know if it'll be as many TBDs as this year, where it was two-thirds of the field was out of contract going into the next year. I don't think it's going to be nearly that many. I've not even come close to getting to that math of what the numbers are, but yeah, it, it will still be interesting to where things stand out uh, and it didn't turn out that we had as much turnover, but we had the potential for that turnover. It's still pretty big. We'll get to this. What we have like 10 or 12 people in different seats from yeah, last year. I, I haven't, I haven't counted more than a third. All you yep. need is, is one of those big seats, like say one of them at team Penske or one of them at chip Ganassi racing. And then, and then a lot of movement happens. Chris Hoffman, the Hoff three. Why has an IndyCar released start times for the races yet? Well, you want to do it all at once. Uh, I know it's any day now uh, being to be announced. Uh, I kind of thought it might have come last week. Uh, it didn't. Uh, but these things take time. Yeah, I think you're it. They want to get them all together. And if there's one that's still TBD, they have to kind of wait. But, you know, we're getting close where I know people want to know what time the race is at St. Pete. I'll help you out a little bit in this regard. I have nothing official. I'll just go from past history. They tend to like early afternoon starts for that race. So if you're thinking about flights, I can't tell you 100%, but you might be able to get out on a 6 or a 7 p.m. flight if you want to come home on that Sunday night. You know, obviously, if it's a 3 or 30, 3.30 race, that won't happen. But past history has said these are early afternoon races. We find there are better television ratings. For those circumstances, you know, watch it change. Hey, here's the good thing. Flights are easier to change than they used to be. So you might just want to go ahead and book something and be prepared to have a backup plan if that's the case. Hour number two, as I mentioned, Jamie Chadwick coming up. We'll continue to look ahead a little bit if there's time tonight, 24. If not, we'll save it for next week. And I know I have a lot on my list to still discuss. Trackside, 93.5, The Fan. Hi, this is Alexander Rossi, and you're listening to Trackside. Hour number two, Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan, in Indianapolis, in Miami, 
in Hamilton County, wherever you might be. Thanks for joining us this evening. Elijah Roberson is back from Tokyo. He's in Indianapolis tonight at our downtown headquarters this evening. Um, all right, let's sneak in some Twitter questions, comments at Kevin Lee 23, or I guess it's X, but I'm, I'm just going to call it Twitter. Yeah, let's call it Twitter. Until, until Elon puts me on the payroll for promoting him, uh, we will continue to go down that path. Stephen Hunts, Steve Hunt at Hunter's Way 67 really just has a comment. Malukas about to get veached. We talked about that in the first hour. <laughs> I like it. So, That's a good way of putting it. I don't think he's getting veached, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if Malukas isn't able to test or race, then Zach Veach, I would think, would be on the short list as the simulator driver, quote, reserve driver, sometimes spotter for the program, along with some of the others that we discussed in the first hour, in the first segment of the program. Paul says, didn't know much about NASCAR before the Netflix show, but really enjoyed it. Do you think the postseason playoffs would work in IndyCar? You got have enough races. I don't think they're needed. Yeah, I don't think, and they're not needed. They're not needed. Yeah. I, I mean. It could work. It, it could work, and you could consider doing something like a three-race playoff, but, you know, with the exception of last year. So maybe here's the caveat. Alex Pillow is going to continue racing in IndyCar. We might want to consider a playoff. <laughs> so if he beats down the field again this year, then, yeah, we might have this conversation and have a different thought coming up this fall. But if it's the way it's been in the 19 other previous years and the 20 years, then no, there's not a playoff. You're probably going to go with three races to go, having four or five still eligible, and you're probably going to have two, three, or four eligible going into the final race, and that's without double points. But it could work, and its I get why NASCAR did it. I still am not sure that I totally like it. I don't know what the better answer would be. You know, I don't like the fact that you could dominate the season. You could win 35 races and not win the championship, right? Well, and you could, I mean, I, I understand that, you know, in baseball, a wild card team can get hot, even in the NFL. I mean, we not nearly could saw go 162 and oh, and you don't necessarily win the world series. That's that was the idea. It's playoff. Yeah. You know, you've, you saw some seven seeds be really competitive in this NFL season. So, you know, three, what, four years ago, seven seeds wouldn't have even made the playoffs. Now seven seeds make it. And, and, you know, we almost saw one in the Super Bowl or we came relatively close. So the point is, you know, nothing's perfect out there, but I don't, I don't see the need for it. Will I see a playoff in my lifetime? You know, I expect, I expect to be watching another 25 years of IndyCar racing on average based on most life expectancy. So another 25 years, could we see a playoff? Yeah. I mean, it's possible. I, I wouldn't rule it out. Lynn, formerly the Spurs fan says, guys, did you know formula E has their own series too? formula E unplugged? Didn't know that one. I, I didn't know if that was supposed to get us excited about that or, or, so, or is that a joke that it's unplugged? That's pretty good. Yeah, that's what it should be called. Yeah, I don't know. Is that um is that their <laughs> unscripted series? Uh didn't know. It. I wish them the best. I wish them the best. And I'm sure if I was working on those broadcasts or there was no motorsport, I would watch them more and I'm sure I would enjoy them. But it's all 
I essentially have a limit of my time and I have kind of a priority of the things I'm, I'm going to watch. One, it's the things that I work on and two, it's the other things that I'm most interested in. And that would go into uh, like the, you know, the NBA and the NFL and baseball and things like that. So unfortunately it hasn't hit my list. No, I was just looking it up. I didn't realize they really did have, they've had three seasons of unplugged. Uh, of a show, Formula Unplugged. Yeah, that's pretty good. So I good. think what that tells you, because uh, we kind of get in our narrow little world and it's been often said, oh, that's the only thing IndyCar is missing. They just need to have a series and then everything's going to take off. Well, Formula E has a show and we're in motorsports and I did not know they had a show. Yeah, me Where's neither. it at? What what's it air on? I, I have a deal with it. Roku channel now. I have not found where it is available in the shout US. out. My friend Georgia Henneberry is working on the Roku channel, so I need to look that up. Uh, Georgia and, is. And I didn't know that. Georgia is doing some of the, I guess you'd call it shoulder programming for Formula E this year. So she's been traveling the world. She's been everywhere, including dirt tracks on her off weekends. So Unplugged will be available for streaming on the Formula E YouTube channel. So there you go. There you go. Uh, Lynn also says, less than a month and it's time for questions. Will there be a big three in the 24 championship or another year of Penske versus Ganassi for a 14th season? That's a great question. Odds are it's going to be Penske versus Ganassi, but it is one of the burning questions. So I have to believe McLaren is going to be a part of that. And I think you could argue they were a part of that last year. Pato Award finished second, what, five times? He was up there. You probably can't say they're the big three because they didn't win a race, so you need to win a race. But they won races the previous two years. They're really, really close. And then the next one is Andretti. Surely they have someone that's going to finish better than ninth in the championship. But you are not in the big three if no one finishes better than fifth or sixth in the championship. That's that's really amazing that they were that low, but you know, it's still, it's still amazing to me. You start doing the math and you know that three Penske's are going to be in contention. You know, that at least two Ganassi's are going to be in the contention. And last year there were three. So for sure, you're going to have two. That's we're already at five and we've not factored in any Andretti's, any Aero McLaren's or a wild card. So it, it is remarkably competitive which is why we don't really need a playoff. I'm going to say odds on, yes, we can talk about a big three. Now, it, that then it goes back to what's your definition. Do you need to be top three or four in the championship with one of your cars? Now, Andretti won two races last year. So if you win two races again and you have someone top four or five in the championship, you know, if you're still in the mix in the final two weekends, I think you can probably argue I'm a part of the big three that I'm, you know, I'm in that fight. So good question. Uh, oh, a few questions on one of our topics from last week, potential of guaranteed spots in the Indy 500. I'll just read a few and then we'll comment. Clay Carter says, instead of guaranteeing a starting spot for charter teams in the Indy 500, what if the primary sponsor was guaranteed to make the race? If charter teams receive money from the IndyCar up front, it should help pay the employees if they miss the race something in like that you know i think is in the line of thinking that's one of the things i've wondered before 
can you provide some incentive to the full-time teams and incentive to participate full-time? And I believe they already do get their share of the leader circle money, even if they miss the 500. Correct. They're, they're participants. Yeah. Um, but maybe there's something else in that regard, but then the teams might argue that's not going to make up if we lose a $5 million sponsor. So then we'll get to some other questions or comments. Matthew Emberry says that claim of losing sponsors is a myth. United Reynolds didn't leave Ray Hall. Arrow didn't leave Schmidt and none of the McLaren's backers left either. If you make excuses, they have to be believable. Also DHL completely denied they were threatening to leave Andretti after RHR's DNQ in 2011. Well, but I think still he's right. But what we don't know is, was it close how much money did the team have to give back? How much money did the team spend, DHL's case, getting them on another car? Or in that case, buying Ryan Hunter Ray's way into the car. Andretti had to lose money on that deal for that particular year. On whatever they were receiving from DHL to run that program, they lost money, but they felt it was in the long-term interest. You know, only the true parties would know, and it's, probably a game of chicken and part of the negotiations, but it's certainly not helpful. Um, I, I think the argument can be made that the big teams probably can withstand that small teams and the one-offs who are not a part of this conversations are the ones that definitely cannot survive not making the race. Yeah. I mean, we're not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not as worried if a Penske doesn't make the race or an Andretti doesn't make the race. I think they, they generally can absorb that, but it's, it's when a Junkos who comes every, every race and, and, or a pick your other team, it really is impactful. Yep. Uh, no, I'm not that guy. The, at the moon corp says, do you think instead of guaranteed entry, would it be feasible to offer some form of insurance for the full-time teams for the 500, a percentage of lost revenue for the full-time teams not qualifying might give incentive to the one-offs to go full-time as well. You know, that's kind of in the same category of guaranteeing the, the sponsors uh, something. It, it, that scenario would be helpful, but it wouldn't totally make up for if you have, you know, say you're a full-time program, and you've gotten a $3 million primary sponsor that's on there for the season. They're probably basing on a million and a half to 2 million of that value being the Indy 500. Now, maybe not. If you do it right, I still think you can find the value for your partners and you're going to have to make it good at all the other events and about activating and entertaining and so forth. But, you know, there's definitely a discussion there. There, there I think could be some other considerations to maybe avoid this scenario so you know after thinking about it for a couple of weeks you know my thought is i'd prefer there not be guaranteed spots for the indy 500 that's just my preference but i'm also i don't have skin in the game so i get it and i get why there is a discussion i'd like that discussion to also include ideas like the two i mentioned from from fans from listeners is there another way is there anything else that can provide some value, some consolation. And then I kind of also look at, all right, if we go down this path, one thing I might fear that comes from this is we might have a hard time filling the field of 33. You know, I mentioned last week how that 
To me, that's pretty important, and I think it is to a lot of people. I think if you guarantee 25 spots, or whatever the number is, I am less likely to put a program together. Agree. Totally agree. Say, say, you know, I'm putting a, together a program for a driver, which I have done, by the way. And I'm looking at it. That, all right, there's no guarantee of making the race, but I have a – how do you do the math? It is a, it's a 33 and 35 or 36 chance. Okay. Uh, I think we got a good program. I like that percentage. Now let's go back to I've got an 8 and 11 chance. Or do you say 11 and 8 is the way to, but whatever. The percentages are not nearly as good if I'm only competing against that number. So what I think is you're going to find more people less likely and they they're, they're going to also be annoyed and not on equal fighting ground of this so i think what will happen of that is i think you'll have a harder time getting to 33 and then the series is going to be back to where we need to fund that 33rd car to get somebody in the show so let me ask out loud because i haven't tracked these numbers since i left the star and because it hasn't been important to me but since nascar has gone to a even more guaranteed situation has there been fewer entries at the daytona 500 and my sense is Yes. Did I just see that there are two over the number? I might be get, getting confused because I saw entry lists for Xfinity, for trucks. Xfinity had something like eight more than are going to make the race. Six or eight or something like that. I think I only saw, I could be wrong on that, two extras for Cup? I could do a quick uh, Bob Pockris tweet search because I know he posted all those in the last day or so. My sense is it's gone down as well. And it's certainly gone down in the other races. Yeah. You know, used to send people home every week. And I'm not saying that's not a terrible thing. It's bad business to send people home for other races. But, you know, the Indy 500 and the Daytona 500 are a little bit different. And people kind of understand that. By the way, it's not a huge expense loss to show up at the Daytona 500 to make the race. How absurd is it that the first time they're on track for their biggest race, their season kickoff, is for qualifying? That's what happens tomorrow, right? Hey, yeah. Now, from the business model, that's not all bad because if you show up trying to make the race and you don't make it, eh, we've only wasted one set of tires and the trip down here. We didn't crash in practice. We didn't hire a crew because a lot of those teams won't hire their crew until they make the race tomorrow. But it just still, I, I think there's money to be made by having practice sessions on TV and making that event bigger, but that's their issue. Worry about yep. our own thing here. We got our we got our own situations. We got our own things going on. I don't know what the answer is, and I don't know where things are at. And maybe this is all part of the negotiating for the leaders circle or whatever you want to call it, charter system program. And you know, are we close to that? You know, I, I think there are still. I guess I'll say there are some hurdles that need to be uh, cleared before we're we're getting to that point. Uh, from. L. William Spencer. For the goofball fans who want a new Indy chassis, the way you get a vote is field a current chassis and get a charter. Other than that, zip it because you don't know the financials. New chassis closes teams and goodbye 33 cars at Indy. Some of these steps are necessary. And by the way, how does the current chassis not look new from not too long ago? Oh, right. The tub isn't new, right? No fans want guaranteed spots or spec engines, but Honda does. 
If the teens need some of these things, I trust Roger and Chip. Thank you. Just go with that. Um, I don't know that I have a whole lot to add there, too. I think his point there was, yeah, I'd love to see a new car, too, but I'm not paying for it. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of understand that. You know, there does become a point. I wondered why you didn't just roll out a new car with the new engine because the teams had to buy a lot of things to go along with that. So they were already kind of halfway there to making the retrofit, but that's still an extra amount of money. You know, yes, it's more expensive with the updates and the adjustments, but add even more money that they may not necessarily have. So you think, but think about this a little bit challenging. I get the whole part about the car though, but if you, if you look at the car, how it looks, just even the last five years, it looks a whole lot different than it did just just a few years ago. Well, that's been a point made by Jay Fry yeah. that it's not like the car has the... it has not looked the same. There's been what three generations of cars since 2012. I know it's the same tub, um, but it's the same safety cell. Maybe four generations. So working backwards, we've obviously got the full arrow screen. Then you had, you know, you had the first generation. Then you had the aero kit competition with all the parts splattering all over the place. Then we went to something a little more refined. So three or four, yeah, whatever, whatever. Um, the the thing that's consistent I, is the, a, is a new chassis is not changing the game for us. We're, you know, all of a sudden the ratings are not going to double. Twice the crowd isn't going to come. It's a fine line. You need to keep people interested. You need to keep manufacturers interested i don't sense that the new chassis is keeping manufacturers away agreed there there are some other reasons you know namely what can you do to get more people watching the sport that will help you uh, provide more return on their investment and then obviously things they're doing now hybrid situation you know that is something that does seem relevant to me in the real world a couple of other comments Lee at Indy Offie, what if they allowed the non-member cars to get in only if they went faster than at least one member and added them to the field so the field would be larger than 33 and limit to 36? We might have read that last week. Yeah, I don't know. I like 33. I'd prefer not to getting up on that. Yeah, I started, Doherty. I started to go right. down that path as well, and, and I started to like it for about 15 seconds, and then I thought, <laughs> yeah. I, I like one. 33. One, you're always going to have one car then on that scenario that doesn't doesn't try hard enough or doesn't, you know, it's okay, doesn't push the limit or whatever. Yep. I mean, yep. and then everybody runs faster than that car. I mean, Dylan Doherty says, I'm getting caught up on trackside. I was a flagger at turn five who worked with friends in that stand. He's referring to the Rolex 24. They did as instructed. So he's talking about the uh, Rolex 23, 28, or 22, yeah. 50, whatever it was. You know, we came up about a minute short. He said uh, they did as instructed. The corner workers were confused, as were the starters. The mistake came from above our heads. Yeah. It, 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 it might have come from somebody who had not slept for a day and a half as well. As I said, it's not ideal. But I love the fact they didn't make excuses or try to lie about it. They just said it happened. And we're all lucky that it did not change the outcome of any of the classes. Nobody was in peril with fuel savings. There was really no close battle at the end. And there's probably been a safeguard uh, that 
now, okay, let's make sure that we kind of have this scenario because who knows what else was going on in race control or what else was involved in that circumstance. So you get that. You've been in race control. I have not. Uh, and I think there's a lot of things that we're never aware about. Oh, it's unbelievable. It doesn't mean you're not, you don't need to get it right. Yes, that's the job. But I know I make a lot of mistakes in my job. So I try to remember that when I start criticizing other people who make a mistake now and again. And I need to remember that more. And I think we all need to remember that more. Well, an NFL playing field is is only so big and has, what, seven, eight, nine sets of eyes, plus the people back in New York who can call timeout and uh, and look at it for eight minutes. And they have timeouts. Yeah, they, yeah. Have, they have timeouts. We don't get timeouts in our sport. The cars are still moving. Cars are still uh, moving. A couple other things I wanted to mention. We haven't gotten to this before in a while. I don't, it doesn't sound like the Argentina fall race is going to happen. <laughs> I, I keep seeing, you know, they canceled a MotoGP race because of political reasons. New government doesn't want to spend money. To me, that seems like, you know, nothing has been said, but if they're canceling MotoGP races that had a contract because they think it's too costly, my guess is they're probably not going to sign off on an IndyCar event at government expense right now. Don't know that. Haven't talked to anybody on that regard, but. And we're also kind of getting to the point where that needs to be announced pretty soon if that's going to happen. So, uh, you know, I said you might go ahead and make a cancelable trip to St. Pete. Maybe don't book the Buenos Aires trip just right now. So hang on to that one, okay? Pretty good travel advice. Yeah. What about Denver? I saw this, that that's Sancio headquarters and Doug Bowles, the IMS president, went out there. So uh, was it the Denver Post? But somebody wrote a story uh, about that this week, you know, mentioning the possibilities and – you know, we, we talked about because there's this rumor of a new, well, not a rumor. I think Mark Miles has said we've got a potential new market in discussion. And we wondered, could that be Denver? Doesn't sound like it's Denver from what Doug said, that essentially it's, yeah, this is an important market and we could always do something here, but it'd probably take two to five years to launch something like that. We need to get everything going. And maybe he was being coy uh, on that regard, but kind of my guess is that's not the one that is getting close to getting past the threshold. Yeah, that was the conclusion I came to as well. And and keep in mind, largely, that was an indie, an IMS. Well, you know, these people represent both sides of the street, but largely that was an IMS contingent that went um, to support Sancio and its, its uh, Grand Prix sponsorship. So maybe Doug is not privy to those conversations, but I'm going to guess he knows no, what's Doug, Doug going would on. Be, Doug yeah. would know what was going on, but yeah. large, I mean, I didn't, you know, we'll have to see. I, I don't get that sense from what I read from Doug either. Hey, we have uh, more concerts coming to Iowa. I wondered if the two they already announced that they decided, you know what, uh, we're going to save a little budget this year. No, they just announced Kelsey Ballerini, I will admit, I'm not familiar with her work. I'm sure if you played a song for me, I would recognize it. But I recognize her name, and I know she's a very, very big deal. And then Eric Church, who I do know, and I am excited about. I'm excited about Eric Church and Luke Combs. And I thought Post Malone, you know, it's a bit jarring to old conservative people like me. I thought he did a fantastic job with what did he sing before the Super Bowl? He, he sang something. Yeah. V very respectful. I thought he did it the right way. So count me in as a Post Malone fan. 
And I'm sure he's very, very good as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing all four of them in Iowa at Hy-Vee IndyCar Weekend. Well, Luke, Luke Combs is coming off, uh, obviously. A, a oh, he's really, a monster star. Yeah. yeah, he's a monster star. So, you know, he just came off that Grammys performance with. Maybe Tracy you know, Chapman cars. will show up too. Maybe yeah. Tracy Chapman will show up as well. I doubt she it. hadn't played for 20 or 25 years. Maybe she'll make it two in a year. I don't Look think so, that. but Luke we'll Combs is big. Uh, and then I see this from Adam Stern that hy sponsorship is up with IndyCar at the end of the year, and they're in discussions with NASCAR. Well, hopefully they can do both. Hopefully they can do both. So we need to make sure that um, hy enjoys the experience this year, and this continues to be a good return. Uh, and it could be a part of that. Hey, this is working. Why not more? So I, I hope oh, I think full I house think I think the NASCAR is, weekend sold out in about 15 minutes. Yeah, I, th I think it's going well with the IndyCar side. Well, Good. in fact, I'm That's sure it good. is. It has to be. It has to be. OK, uh, let's talk Indy next with Jamie Chadwick, your number two, coming up in just a moment and her latest television commercial. And we'll see what we missed before we're done tonight. Trackside 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hi, this is Rians VK, and you're listening to Trackside. Thank you for staying with us as Trackside continues. 93.5, 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. We are not only less than a month away from the start of the NTT IndyCar Series season. Indy Next will also be on the streets of St. Petersburg in its year two for Andretti Global. We need to get used to saying that. Andretti Global driver Jamie Chadwick racing in America, and she joins us now. Jamie, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. It's good to catch up with you. Um, you've had some testing, but just not very much <laughs> uh, because we've had a lot of challenging weather issues at Sebring and Laguna Seca. You were just at Laguna Seca with everybody last week. In, in general, big picture, how have things gone for you as you get set for your second year? Yeah, not bad. I mean, I'm quite happy not to be a rookie going into the second year with the way that testing's gone. Um, yeah. Being British, we're used to our winter testing being quite wet and weather kind of um, challenging. But yeah, at the same time, I think, um, yeah, it's been a little bit restricted for us uh, this off season. So yeah, it's been going well, um, what we've had of it, but definitely a little bit more limited than I would have liked. Yeah. And can, can you imagine if you're brand new, like you were last year and you come in and you essentially get a half a day or so of testing. So let's just talk big picture. From we chatted about this time last year, you'd had whatever two or three, four days in the car, and you were making 
a major transition, a very different car. What's the feeling now compared to what it was a year ago? Yeah, it's very different and um, really positive, I think. Definitely that first year of experience, having the whole season, knowing what to expect now going into the second year, knowing what to work on over the winter. Um, I think coming into this, um, even just pre-season testing period, feeling a lot more comfortable in the environment, in the car, everything. Um, just the confidence that that breeds, I think, has given me, um, yeah, a nice sort of uh, platform to start with going into this year. And yeah, gives me a lot more confidence, like I said. I feel like the educated American motorsports fans understood that it was not fair to expect of you winning races right off the bat. <laughs> but then you read some of the, the the articles from the international motorsports press, and they see you as a, a three-time W champion, and they think you're going to come over here and you're going to dominate this championship. Uh, do, do you get a sense that people are kind of understanding that, no, racing in America is challenging and this is a process? Um, it, are, are they kind of understanding what's realistic now and that you are on target to be able to get done what you want to get done over here? I think so. And to be honest, I'm, yeah, I think I was always realistic um, with my approach and understanding of the challenges of what it was going to be um, coming from a championship like W Series into something like Indy Next and you know, what step that was going to be. Um, I think maybe the bigger issue as opposed to people maybe underestimating the challenge of America was people overestimating potentially um, the level that I was coming at. Um, you know, I think I read articles about going straight into Formula One from W Series and things like that were just never, ever going to be <laughs> even yeah. close to being on the cards. It was really going from what is relatively close to an F4 car um, into something much closer to an F3, F2 car. So, um, like I said, I was under no illusions. And I think fortunately, you know, we've stayed clear of our, our progress internally. And I've had a really great um, experience and very fortunate to be in a team like Andretti to help mentor me and support me through, you know, this this challenge and this process that I'm going through. And it's one thing if it was the Indy Lights of four or five years ago when there were nine cars uh, six really good drivers, but just an opportunity to kind of rack up statistics. But now you're talking 20-ish cars every week, and, and you had a, a stretch there towards the later part of the season, something like five of six in the top 10. You had a sixth-place finish. At that point, was it starting to feel like, okay, I can do this? How much changed by the time you got to the midpoint of the season last year? I think there definitely was a bit of a turning point Um through the middle of the year. I think also just the continuity of being in the car, the way that the race weekends kind of came at us in the second half of the year. The start of the season is really challenging. You go to St. Pete, and that was, of course, a bit of a baptism in itself, something that I'd never really experienced, a race weekend I'd never experienced before. Um, and then you have a massive gap until the second race and just struggling to get into the rhythm. And yeah, like I said, it's all so new as well. Um, whereas as soon as the season got going, I felt a lot more comfortable and confident. I think I was able to kind of float in and around the top 10, which was nice, but there's still a bit of a gap to get to the top five. And that's really what I'm focusing on bridging going into the second year. Are you on pace to do that? Are you seeing that in testing that, okay, I'm, I'm close to uh, maybe being able to run in that top five. I think so. I mean, testing, like I said, has gone well. Testing didn't actually go that badly last year either, but it was just so new when I got to the race experience and everything. So yeah, I think definitely um, I want to be trying to compete in that top five. It's, as you say, as competitive as has ever been in this championship. And that's really great. I've got really competitive um, teammates. I've got a great team 
Um, so I'd like to think that, you know, that's kind of the aim and that's what's possible. Um, but yeah, like I said, anything in this championship, it's um, so unpredictable and yeah, anything can happen. Jamie Chadwick is joining us with Andretti Global, Indy Next Driver. Uh, so DHL was your primary partner on the car last year and they have moved to another IndyCar team, but I still see you over the off season on social media doing a lot of things with DHL. Are they, are they still part of your program? They are, which is fantastic. And they're a big reason as to why I came over to the States and had this opportunity to race in IndyNex in the first place. So, um, of course, it would have been great to have continued the title partnership with them um, and seen them in the Andretti cars as well. Um, but fortunately, you know, they are going to continue on a personal deal with me, which is fantastic. And like I said, they were a big reason as to giving me the opportunity in this first place. So it's great to have that support continue. So what kind of fun things did you do working with them and even not working with them? What kind of fun things <laughs> happen in the off season? Um, it's felt like quite a long off season, actually, by the time we finished, um, I still do have quite a lot in Formula One with Williams. Um, I'm quite excited uh, to be involved with their F1 Academy team as well. So Leah Block. Um, he's going to be racing in F1 Academy. Um, I'm getting a bit involved with and helping mentor her. So that kept me busy. And then a lot of it, honestly, it's the boring racing driver answer, but um, has been training. Um, I think I really appreciated the physical challenges of um, Indy Next and, you know, even IndyCar last year. So, um, yeah, trying to make sure I'm sort of starting on the right foot going into this year and really that not being uh, something that I suffer too much with. Did you get to a point towards the end of the season where it wasn't an issue or did you need a full off season when you're not trying to race to where you can really be where you want to be? I definitely got to a much better place by the end of the year, just being in the car regularly. Um, but what was tricky is, you know, I did the first race and I struggled and I didn't really have time for even, it was a big gap to Barber, but I didn't really have time before Barber and Barber was another really physical um, race. And then already the first two races and the start of the season's away from you. So I know where I need to start and what kind of physical condition I need to be going into the start of this year. But also that as well, I had a very, well, I was in a very fortunate situation with Andretti where they've run a lot of female drivers, especially before, and they were so equipped and well um, placed to adapt the car for me, especially. And that has made a huge difference over, over the year and in, in what we've been able to do with the car, which is great. I think I saw another big national TV commercial with you. Was it an Apple commercial that you were a part <laughs> I of? Yeah, I did. I was on an Apple commercial, which was um, pretty surreal. And weren't there other uh, celebrities, athletes? I, I should have Googled it and watched it again, but there were several people in it, weren't there? Uh, there might have been. Honestly, I was, because um, I was in the UK during the time, I never actually got to see the advert, but I did get sent it a few times. Um, and I've got to give uh, Bob Perona a bit of credit because his track notes got a bit of a showing. Um, so, yeah, he's the one that should probably get more credit than I should. For those that don't know, Bob Perona is one of the awesome coaches in um, and, and Formula Ford drivers still at times and, and works with the Andretti drivers and has worked with the Paps drivers in the past as well. So this makes... Too big. I, I need to find it again. I'll, I'll find it before the next segment. But uh, I saw it on a major sporting event, and it was really cool, and it was good for the sport as well. You know, those are the kind of things that that we like as IndyCar fans, and that helps the sport because um, it's just basically a free commercial for Formula Car racing, whether it's IndyCar, Formula One, whatever the case. And then the one you were in before we even knew you. <laughs> was that was that IBM? IBM, five yeah. Years or so ago, yeah. Again, you told me the story before. Remind everyone of how that came to fruition um, 
and and kind of where you were at in your career at that point? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it was after my first year of W Series. Um, so still really relatively unknown. Um, so yeah, they approached us and wanted to do an advert of a female driver driving around a track and obviously promoting um, IBM and their software at the time. And yeah, they flew me out to Willow Springs. I drove an F4 car, which was pretty surreal for the day. Um, and yeah, it was amazing to have a company like IBM support a driver like me at the time and to get that kind of coverage and exposure. And I think, again, another situation where I wasn't actually in the States at the time. So I was getting people messaging me, showing me, but uh, yeah, pretty cool. So these are these are not nas- international commercials. They're ones that we see in America. Exactly. Okay. Well, we, we got to get you some sort of a VPN or whatever it's called so you can get American television <laughs> when you're at home. So that, that was really cool. Uh, did you find you had a favorite track? Is there one you're most looking to going back to in 2024? There's honestly a few. Um, I, 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 I split the season quite a lot. I like to kind of I have my favorite street track, my favorite um, road course, and then my favorite oval. And my okay. favorite street track was Nashville really enjoyed Nashville. It's obviously a different layout, a slightly different layout for this year, but still very excited to go back there, especially for the finale. Um, and then the vocals I love for in America. Um, they had a repave there and it reminded me a lot of some of the European tracks that we have, um, super high grip, smooth flowing. So I love that. And then ovals, I, I enjoyed them both, but gateway um, was a lot of fun, even if the weather uh, wasn't so good for us that weekend. And so now you get to go back to these tracks for a second time in a row and you can actually what kind of attack rather than just tiptoe your way around, especially in <laughs> a street think, race. You know, I can't imagine I going so. to St. Pete for the first time. I mean, exactly. I, I was very conscious at the beginning of last year, especially to, to kind of try and make sure we just focused on getting as much mileage and things as possible, get through the races. And I think in Indy next and Indy car, that's just not the approach to have. You need to have an attacking approach and, you need to go into every race fighting. And if you're not fighting, then you're going to always be on the back foot. So I think going into the second season with that mentality is hundred percent my kind of focus. Um, but also, yeah, knowing that I'm turning up to the track, not for the first time, a lot of the times on Friday, um, like a lot of the rookies might do this year, um, is going to help me a lot for sure. Awesome. We're looking forward to year number two, Jamie Chadwick back with Andretti Global in Indy next, and the season starts less than a month from now in the streets of St. Petersburg. Stay with us. More to come in just a moment. Trackside 93.5, The fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hi, this is Felix Rosenquist, and you're listening to Trackside. Okay, final segment uh, from Trackside on location tonight in my Avoid Indiana Winter Tour in Miami for uh, the Miami International 
Boat Show. Uh, and what did we miss tonight in the program? Oh, we forgot to mention we did get confirmation of the distribution for season one of 100 Days to Indy. That's going to be on Paramount Plus in most countries, not all. I think they're still working on the rest of them. But uh, that will be up again for people that couldn't find it on the CW. You'll see that. And they have started taping for season two on the CW. I did my first sit down with the producers last week. Same team that brought you last year. And that will come out in April getting set for the Indy 500. I'll say this. (laughs) A lot of questions about, all right, take us back to Detroit from last June. And that was difficult for me to remember what happened beyond, say, two days ago. So we did a little refreshing of the season. I uh, look forward to seeing that and, and what they what they do for the direction for this year. Uh, what else? Oh, I wanted to mention uh, congratulations to Sebastian Weldon, Dan's oldest son, who won his first race in USF. Well, it's not really USF Juniors. That season starts later on. But it was uh, kind of in their winter series in the USF Juniors car, kind of an F4 type car. And he finished second in their little mini season winter championship. So congratulations to uh, Susie and Sebastian and his younger brother Oliver is going to run in the Skip Barber series this year, in which Sebastian won the championship last year. So, okay, we're out of time. Uh, We'll be back next Tuesday night, full two-hour program from 7 until 9. Podcast up in a few minutes. Hope you can find that and hope you can join us next week. For Kurt and Elijah, I'm Kevin. Thanks for joining us. 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.